And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him, and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they... Bend down to when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled the passerby Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means the skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour, that is nine in the morning, when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from that cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, but obviously he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour, that is at noon, had come, there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink. They said, Wait, let's see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. From the moment these events took place to now, the church of Jesus Christ has stressed one main phrase to describe what happened. In the first century, after the events of the crucifixion and resurrection, in the second century, third, fourth, all the way to the 21st century, the church of Jesus Christ has taken one phrase to capture all these things that happened and put it in front of the church over and over and over again that we would remember. 
They could have taken anything that describes this event. They could have taken a phrase that had to do with the mocking or the inscription on the cross or the time that Jesus gave up his spirit or the time that people would mock him and curse him as he walked by. But they chose this one phrase to capture what took place, and they wanted it continually front and center. On the night when he was betrayed. On the night when he was betrayed. And the Apostle Paul quotes this before he gives the instructions on how to take communion. He wanted it etched in our minds and etched on our hearts on the night when he was betrayed. They wanted that phrase. If you look at their writings, they consistently put that phrase, the church does, over and over and over and over again to describe the events of the crucifixion. On the night when he was betrayed. Why was that phrase emphasized so much over other phrases? I think it's because the sin of betrayal is the sin that hurts the worst. The early Christians expected to be hated by their enemies. They expected to be hated by those who didn't agree with them and what their beliefs were. But those closest to them, family, friends, brothers and sisters in the church, you would expect unwavering loyalty. The fact that Jesus was betrayed by one of his closest followers was a big deal to the early church. It was significant that our Lord experienced betrayal from his own. And more than likely, though it wasn't betrayal, he probably felt betrayal from God the Father because the cross and the excruciating pain that was going on on the cross wasn't just physical. It wasn't just emotional. It was spiritual. As God the Father had to abandon, had to turn as he poured his wrath out on his son. The fact that Jesus experienced betrayal from one of his closest tells the pain of the cross began much, much earlier before the flogging, before the trial with Pilate. It happened way before when he selected his 12 who were supposed to be with him. That's when the pain of the cross began. Psalm 41 gives us insight into this betrayal and it gives us insight into the heart of Jesus. And I hope it will help prepare our hearts this evening to remember what our Savior went through leading up to the crucifixion. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it to Psalm 41. You could also check it out on our app. Or if you want to just sit back and listen, that's fine as well. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, if you have an electronic version, this evening. Psalm 41 the Psalms are divided into five collections of books. Psalm 41 ends book one, which is about blessing, and then it transitions in Psalm 42 to a book that expresses the agony in God's people. Psalm 41, 
Let's look at the first three verses. It says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. The Lord protects him and keeps him alive. He is called blessed in the land. You do not give up to the will of his enemies. The Lord sustains him on his sickbed. In his illness, you will restore him to full health. This psalm starts out with blessedness. The psalm starts to speak of what it means to have the hand of God upon your life. This is one of 15 psalms that declare what it means to be blessed in the eyes of God. The psalm reminds us that as we help the poor, as we help the needy, as we help the suffering, we are drawn closer to the heart of God. And then as one commentator said, we are then hit in just two verses with a waterfall of verbs that describe how good God is to us. According to this, God saves us, He keeps us, He preserves us, He blesses us, He protects us, He sustains us, He heals us. And that's in just two verses. But then the psalmist shifts from blessedness to remembering evil deceit, betrayal of those against him and his people. Look at verses 4 to 8. As for me, I said, O Lord, be gracious to me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? And when one comes to see me, he utters empty words. While his heart gathers iniquity, when he goes out, he tells it abroad. All who hate me whisper together about me. They imagine the worst for me. They say a deadly thing is poured out on him, and he will not rise again from where he lies. As we enter this psalm, the psalmist is trying to show us how fickle the human heart is how it moves from blessing to cursing. He contrasts this with evil and fear. And as we enter in, we see how much our enemies despise us, how much our enemies want us to die, how they plan our destruction, how they break their promises, how they gossip about us, how they whisper about us behind our back, how they mock us when we are sick, and how they rejoice when we are on our deathbed. And just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. Look at this amazing picture of betrayal in verse 9. It says, Even my close friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. My close friend whom I trusted, who I led into the vulnerable places of my heart, who ate my bread. That was a big deal in that culture, to share a meal with someone. You didn't do that unless you were opening up your heart to friendship. My friend who ate bread with me, it's speaking of the close intimacy of relationship. What did this friend do? Lifted his heel against me. Do you know what that means? Are you ready for this? It means kicked 
violently against my heart. Do you feel that? Do you see that's what Jesus felt? This close friend who I let in kicked violently against my heart. It's a stunning picture of betrayal. This is the painful path of betrayal. It starts with blessedness, and then it ends with getting your heart kicked in violently. So why on earth should we look at this psalm on Good Friday? Like the early church, we need to remember on the night when he was betrayed. And the reason I chose this psalm is because Jesus quoted this psalm on a day before he was crucified, as he thought of his betrayal. Jesus just finished one of the most intimate things he did with his disciples and the apostles. He washed their feet. He served them. He got down on one knee. He took the lowly position of a servant, the Son of God, the God of the universe, and washed his feet. And then when this act of love and this act of service was done, Jesus said this in John 13, I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen. But the Scriptures must be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Does that sound familiar? Jesus quoted Psalm 41. And he went on to say, I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I have chosen, but the Scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Jesus uses this verse from Psalm 41 to describe the horrible moment of betrayal that he would feel. And why does Jesus use this particular psalm? Why does he say uh, that quote from verse 9? If you look at verse 9 and 10 and put them together, it says this, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And then your head kind of spins around when you get to verse 10. It says, But you, O Lord, be gracious to me and raise me up that I may repay them. Verse 9 is a, a verse of betrayal. But then it moves awkwardly and strangely, and some would say even in a creepy way, to grace and vengeance. The psalmist is talking about his pain of betrayal. Then he asks God for grace so that he can forgive. No, so that he can take vengeance. But you, O Lord, be gracious to me. Raise me up, and I will repent pay them. This is meant to shock us. 
This is meant to make us say, what in the world? You go from grace to vengeance to repay with, look, an exclamation mark? The psalmist feels the pain of betrayal. The psalmist feels the pain of getting their heart kicked in violently. And then the reaction is, give me grace, God, and I will go take them out. I will repay them back. You betrayed me, I will betray you. So why in the world does Jesus use this psalm? Why would he take a psalm of vengeance and use it when he quotes to his disciples as he talks about what's going to happen on the night of crucifixion? The main point we need to realize is amazing. It's why we gather here tonight to remember what Jesus did and the heart of our God. You see, the psalmist goes to vengeance, but the life and gospel of Jesus Christ interrupts verse 10. It moves, the psalmist goes from verse 9, betrayal, to verse 10, vengeance. But the gospel of Jesus Christ interrupts between these verses. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, rather than getting it even with his enemies or paying them back with evil, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We live in the interruption of grace because of the cross of Jesus Christ. We live in the interruption of mercy because of what our Savior Jesus has done. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what pain and betrayal bought for us. The human race that sinned and betrayed our Creator Instead of deserved judgment, instead we get undeserved grace and mercy because of what Jesus Christ did at the cross. And we are currently living in the interruption of mercy. We are currently living in the interruption of God's vengeance by the grace and mercy of our Savior, Jesus Christ. In fact, on the cross, which we remember this evening, the mercy of God was extended towards sinners while the judgment of God went upon our Savior. We, His followers, are invited now to live in the interruption of grace and mercy, to live between the betrayal and the vengeance in this beautiful place that Jesus brought us with His grace and mercy. Now, the Bible is clear. There will be a time when God's enemies will be judged and punished. We see that in the book of Revelation. But that's not today. Today is not the day of judgment. Today is the day of the cross. Today is the day of mercy. Today is the season of mercy and grace through our loving Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not the time for vengeance. It's the time of reconciliation. It's a time of bringing people back to God through the power and the love and the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross when he said, it is finished. And it's time for us to declare, live in, 
and tell this amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for the penalty of our sins, that we can be forgiven and have a relationship with the one true God that will last forever into eternity. And one day soon he will return, and his kingdom and rule will be fully established, and it will have no end. If we look at our culture, if we look at our world, if we look what's happening around us, these are days of violence and days of betrayal. Many are very vocal with their hate. Many are quick to fight. Many are quick to judge. Many are quick to violence. Jesus' response this evening would be to remember, to have us remember what he did on the cross on the night which he was betrayed, where he took our sin and took our pain and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And judgment upon him on the cross was meant with the mercy and love and grace of God the Father, and it was given to us. Let us remember this night what Jesus did. And because of what Jesus did, let us remember that we live in the mercy. We live in the grace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. As we have sinned and betrayed you in our words and our thoughts and our actions, forgive us and cleanse us from our sins this evening. We thank you for the finished work on the cross. We thank you that you paid the penalty for our sin. We thank you that you endured betrayal in a way that we could never understand. God, we ask that you would help us to open our hearts to fathom more deeply what you did on that night in which you were betrayed. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask now that my friend... Kathy comes forward, and she's going to read Isaiah 53, and then we're going to take a moment of silent reflection after she gets done reading that. And then after that time of reflection, I'll come back up, and we'll take communion together as God's church. Isaiah 53, who has believed what we have heard? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. He didn't have an impressive form or majesty that we could, should look at him, no appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. 
He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. And when we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep, and we all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of all of us. He was oppressed and afflicted, Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was not taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. But he was with a rich man at his death because he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When, he make, when you make him a guilt offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days, and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. After his anguish, he will see light and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion, and he will receive the mighty as spoil, because he willingly submitted to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels.
before the crucifixion. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your finished work on the cross. We thank you that we have something that will cover and wash us from our sin, and that's your blood. We thank you that because of what you did, we can stand clean, conscience cleansed, guilt washed away, regret destroyed before the righteous Holy Father because of your grace and mercy. Let the amazing work of what you did for us on the cross scream in our souls that we would understand, that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened to that day when mercy met judgment and you paid the penalty for our sin, extending to us forgiveness, mercy, grace, and love. We rejoice in what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please.